Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to the 4Live Podcast, your weekly podcast for all things gaming, gaming news, and all things entertainment related. I'm your host for this evening, Aiden, joined by my co-hosts. I'm Ethan. I'm David. And I'm Leighton. So for this evening, we have something that we've had a couple times on the podcast. Um... Just a few times. Just no, a few you know, times. It's a it's few a, lost episodes here and there. Yeah, definitely not just a staple a, of our podcast. Yeah, no, the, these are the episodes that never get edited. Um, but <laughs> we we obviously enjoy playing games and enjoying experiencing new games. Um, so we we've decided to share that all with you every couple of weeks when we decide to find a good a good game that's worth talking about. So and you know we scheduled them. We try to chug them out too. Every once in, every once in a while, we'll be like finding a game that we're just like we have to review this. Yes, we have. Uh, one of those games that we were like that was uh, Redfall, if you remember. And yeah, no, then we like, all decided let's review it. No, it's like no, it's like oh my god, Bro. four player co op and like awesome graphics, and then we gotta review this. And then it comes yeah, out, and we're like if, we're not reviewing this. We didn't want to put our games through that. Yeah, if a game gets like review bombed so heavily like it did Redfall, it's just not worth it. It's it is not. like cuz if we know it's going to be a bad experience, why are we going to review it? That kind of thing. Mm. I don't know. Bro, you know what's cool too though is like while some of the games that we'll be talking about today are well, actually both of them are very new games. Um one of them's very popular and one of them's kind of niche, I think. So it's really neat to think about like the the breadth of that entire yeah, no, spectrum that we're going two through. Two very, the, very different games being the, played today. The breadth of the wild... You're very funny. Sorry. That's funny. I, you're funny. You're funny. you're funny guy. I can't. You're really funny. I really okay. love looking at all the, uh, the uh, machinations that people can come up with um, for a certain new uh, release by Nintendo. That um, game is awesome. Oh, absolutely. So oh, dude, it looks amazing. I really can't wait to play it, no, but I, I also I don't want to drop 70. I'm going to drop 70 eventually. Eventually, but... yeah. It's so worth it. I, I, I'm I, sorry. No, I didn't even pay I, for it, but like, what I would do it again. See, what I mean, I've been spoiled and seeing on TikTok, it's worth it. It's Bro, so, I haven't it I haven't touched any content related to it. Literally dude, not I'm so anything. proud of you. Good. I'm so proud of you because that game is literally going to be like Jesus comes down and kisses you on the lips kind no, of thing. I, seriously, like, if you loved it, Breath of the Wild and I, Zelda in general, it is just like Hylia descending from the heavens to give you a kiss on the cheek. Dude, I'm legitimately I had a so game, excited. Like, other than the game that we'll be talking about today, recently, like game like it where I looked down at the clock, played for a while, looked back up the clock and it had been five hours later and it literally felt like two. And I was like, that was me what with Terraria recently. Dude, speaking of which, we gotta get Ethan to play. Ethan, Ethan has revealed something. Ethan, you can't. You're not gonna say it. You're not gonna say it. Ethan, no, we're gonna no, get no, you no, into no, it. No, no, we're gonna no, get no, him no, into it. We're gonna it. get you into it. Screw tears of the kingdom. Bro, You're gonna be fighting with us. It is legitimately. It is a better version of Minecraft. I swear to God. Like in oh my, my humble opinion, it is so good. It's so good. Um, so it's a different game. It? So it's a totally different who wants game. To but go yes. first, which which one of you wants to go first? I think this one should. Uh, or, yeah, I think this one should go first. Alrighty. So I'm so excited. The f- <laughs> the first game that uh, David is going to talk about is a is Coffee Talk Two. Uh, this game came out semi recently, um, and went to I believe Game Pass, right? 
it, it went on Xbox Game Pass and was... It was direct to Game Pass, by the way, so... Was it? Dang. Um, yeah. Direct, direct to Game Pass, always a very helpful thing for a game dev, because then people will play it because it's often, well, free. Um, and you've played Coffee Talk 1, so you already had an intro yeah. in the franchise. Yeah, and, the, you know, the... I'll be introducing that just a little bit, too, when I get into the actual review, because I feel like it is fundamental to understand the differences between the two games. Yeah, it was uh, it was released by, uh, is it Toge Productions, I think? Yeah, Toge Productions. Toge or, two, yeah. Um, and what's uh, really interesting that... about it, it, it was released uh, April 20th, so little... A little over a month ago, like a month and a day ago, to be exact. Coffee um, Talk is which a is recent really game. Neat. It only came out in 2020. Well, yeah, Coffee Talk, the first one, was a very recent game. What's sad is one of the lead developers um, actually has died since then. So um, there are a few, yeah, there are a few mentions of him and his legacy throughout the game as well. Um, as I believe some of the characters are actually based on the character himself. So that's really neat. But I'll get into that when we talk about the review and everything. So All right. Can you give us a little background for both the games? Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote out this entire thing that I'm probably not going to read word no, for you, word. You just, but just wrote, a, wrote a, simply... a full synopsis, a, a thesis paper. <laughs> Yeah, legitimately, full, this is my doctoral major. thesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on Coffee um, Talk too. <laughs> oh my god, my brother was writing an entire fucking paper about Dark Souls three and the music. <laughs> I was like, I oh mean, my god, respect. What a dad. What a dad. Because <laughs> okay. he's correct. So Coffee Talk two uh, is titled Coffee Talk two Hibiscus and Butterfly as, and you know, I find it really interesting because. The only difference between really the first game and the second game is the characters and two ingredients within the ingredient list, which is hibiscus flowers and butterfly pea tea, which is just this blue tea type thing. But to get into a bit of a background, um, it is set in an alternate reality of Earth in rainy Seattle, um, where they have all sorts of diversity, but not the typical diversity that you see uh, with, you know, racial individuals with among humans. It is uh, diversity among different interspecies diversity, if you will. Um, you are a coffee shop owner with the knack to make people talk. So thus you name your coffee shop Coffee Talk. Um, and, you know, during my uh, research for this game and everything like that, I found that Coffee Talk is actually an actual shop, a real place uh, in Vermont, awesome. which is really cool. Um, it's not, it has no relation, but the fact that it's Coffee Talk, it legitimately is insanely similar with the logo and everything it threw me off That's because really i was like cool. there's no way there's no way that like this is based on anything <laughs> it's not it's not at all but it was really cool it's like the um, five it's like the freddy fazbear's pizza restaurant pictures dude seriously seriously in like um uh, ohio or something in this game, you act as the uh, coffee shop owner and the, the main barista. I don't think there's any other ones. You're just the same, the main one. Um, what it is, basically, is it is a nighttime coffee shop, which is an odd thing, but it's meant for those bur uh, you know night owls who are coming in late and need some extra coffee and need some people to talk to and stuff like that and some time to work. Um, and essentially, you kind of act as a neutral observer who you know, inputs obvious, obvious details about the characters and people who are talking to you. Um, and, you know, that's 
kind of the background of it. You know, rainy Seattle, you have all sorts of interspecies things, anything from uh, like uh, sirens to uh, dwarves to gnomes to uh, werewolves and everything like that. So how about you kind uh, of how, that how, type stuff. how about an interdimensional space being? Why are you looking up the game, Leighton? <laughs> because because I'd like to I like to look at the images and like look uh-huh. around while we're talking. Uh-huh. I'm sure you like to look at the <laughs> images, right, Layton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, oh. oh no, no, no. Um, so, getting into this, uh, the story is really interesting as it is primarily uh, more character-driven than anything. Um, I mean, it makes sense. The theme of the the entire story, the game, is that these characters walk in and they talk to you about their lives and what's happening. Um, you know, these people can range from uh, Myrtle and Aqua, who are like game devs, to like uh, famous internet celebrities, uh, like the guy, I think it's a stayer named Lucas, um, and or even like in the new Coffee Talk 2, they've introduced this character named Riona, who is a siren who only comes out during the rain. Um, and it's really interesting. Really yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, but... Uh, it, all of these characters have their different, you know, motives, um, their different ways of interacting and stuff like that. Um, but it doesn't really, I, how do I put this? It doesn't necessarily constitute as a story, if that makes sense. It is a hmm. character piece, if anything, if that makes sense. So it's like learning about characters rather than a story going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of learn about the characters. They tell you about their lives and everything like that. And there's not necessarily like a driven story arc. Like in, for example, like The Witcher, you're going out to find Yennefer of Vangaberg or something like that. Um, I... Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is this oh, gonna yeah. be the new Disco Elysium? Let's see how many times David mentions The Witcher. Bro, I'm playing that game. I'm loving it. <laughs> Literally, I'm surrounding myself with Witcher content right now. I have read all the way through uh, Blood of Elves. I bought the rest of the series. Um, Bro, uh, you could have. I could have let you borrow them. I have all of them. Bro, I'm serious. I am no. in a reading frenzy right now. Like it is crazy. Witcher I finished. Oh, so good. It's such a great Dude, series, though. Did you Did you finish any of the books? I've finished the first book, or sort of. Like I read. Like it wasn't like. I need to go back and actually read it all the way through because it was kind Bro, of like a it's really a sick it book. was such such a good book um but yeah yeah uh getting back into it uh yeah it's based mainly around the characters and stuff there's no necessarily driven objectives or story things there are personal set objectives as is kind of the nature of these story-driven visual novels um but there isn't really necessarily like you have to do this type thing your objective is to do this you set those for yourself if you want to mess up a coffee recipe go ahead and mess up a coffee recipe if you want to go ahead and like piss off a customer piss them off it is your full choice there is nothing really that is like an objectively wrong thing to do with playing the game um that being said there isn't dialogue options so basically you are the person you will say what you're programmed to say and you just go through and you read it as a novel which is really interesting so to get onto the gameplay type stuff of it as a visual novel the game is kind of all about the auto feature um one click and basically the dialogue will go for itself you literally don't have to press a single button 
Yeah, you don't have to press a yeah. single button unless you're making coffee. Um, David tried is... not to have his favorite game be a book challenge impossible. Bro, bro, that Actually, game is... Actually, though... <laughs> shut up, He's shut literally up. playing The Witcher 3 right uh-huh. now. <laughs> it's a book. Bro. It's a game adapted bro. from a book. Bro, I they're do, so I... good, though. I have a quick have question for you. a lot of you. games like that. Do you think that Coffee Talk in in that auto feature did it take that like I know making coffees is a big thing but like would you have rather had a like oh I can choose this I can choose this or do you did you enjoy the just kind of sitting back and reading thing Oh no if they definitely had a it, like a you insert your dialogue option or something like that like for example take skyrim for example like you can say multiple different things to Uh different people if they had something like that that would make the game infinitely more immersive um but maybe that's not what they were going for because as it stands it is basically a cut and paste visual novel it Uh is a novel that is visual with elements of like kind of gameplay sprinkled in to to follow up with that i played um i never played i've never played coffee talk one and i haven't played two obviously um but i did um play a game similar called uh valhalla or it's spelled like v uh dash a one one ala it's a same concept uh where you're making coffee and you're just interacting with customers but instead of coffee it's uh alcohol and you're a bartender and uh you make different drinks for different customers and um in that game you do have a bit of dialogue and you have like a choice of dialogue to choose because you're playing not as um like yourself but you're playing as an actual character who interacts and you can like see that character um and Bro, uh, i honestly I know... wish that were the boy case here like there really uh, is no input other than the pre-programmed responses to things i i highly recommend um checking out valhalla it's really fun but um cyberpunk yeah no it's really fun it's really interesting and it's it's a similar uh vein of kind of game but um i know in to get to my question uh i know in valhalla if you make specific drinks like if you you can actually choose the drink to make for the person like it's not specific i mean sometimes it's specific you have to make this one or it's wrong um but sometimes you have the option to choose like which drink to make and it's up to you like somebody will say yeah i want something strong and you have all of the options of drinks that you can choose to make that are strong drinks but they're all kind of different and they all elicit a different response they elicit a different response uh from the customer is it the same in um coffee talk where if you make a different kind of coffee for somebody say somebody orders something and you make something slightly different for them and that person like then what somebody might normally give them um does that person have like a different like dialogue feature or is it you have to make this specific thing okay so you're getting into one of the coolest aspects of this game um and to really get into that i want to talk a little bit more about like how you create the drinks in the game um so you have three three ways that you create well okay a customer will give you an order what they'll say generally is hey can you make me what i had last time it can be as simple as that or it can be uh something as hey i'm feeling i want something sweet i want it coffee based and i want it to also have like a hint of ginger it it can be as detailed as that 
with the coffee maker you have to choose a primary layer which will generally be like a tea of some sort a tea coffee or like an, a flower of some sort um then you go to the secondaries which is you have a primary of the secondary which is generally like your milks and your creamers or like honeys and stuff like that and then you have like one that's yeah. a little lighter um which makes it you know a little frothier or like whatever you want to make with the drink um but you combining those different ingredients in all sorts of different ways you create all sorts of different drinks if a customer were to say hey <clears throat> i want some like a coffee or something like that. i want a coffee that's a little sweeter then you have a lot of choices to do there however the game does push you in certain directions with when you create a drink that is correct or seemingly correct it will have different names for the coffees um or hmm. the drinks that you create so yeah. for example in one of the coolest interactions in the entire game was with this character my personal favorite character named gala um he is a werewolf um and in hmm. order to tame his werewolf nature what they call the fury in the game uh he has organic teas to try to calm him down because coffees will only make him have his fury quicker and his uh the teas will help him calm down a little bit because he works as a hospital assistant um at the night shift which is really cool um and really you know cool. yeah it's a ah. really interesting character um hmm, david why might why might you like this character uh mr nursing major why we knew it. <laughs> What's Dude, the... it's so sick it's so sick he's <laughs> such a cool character legitimately if you look up pictures of him he's like covered in bandages from head to toe because of his you know him his constant difficulties with being a werewolf and that's one of the cool things about it is all these characters based on who they are the type of like you know uh race they are and everything everything they embody uh they have different problems and different features and stuff like that um but what i was getting in through with the gameplay with this guy is he comes in and he says hey there isn't there isn't a surefire thing about this but i really need something that is going to help me calm down being you know a furious werewolf especially during my night shift can you help me create a drink that does this so over the span of the first game you experiment with drinks and stuff and eventually you find one that helps him calm down um and that's called the galahad um and that actually carries over into the second game and they give you a little hints and stuff like that but that was one of the coolest experiences because you experiment through the entire game trying to find this drink for him it was really neat um Oh, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, no, just real quick, I looked it up. Um, the game I was talking about, uh, Valhalla, uh, it came out June 21st, 2016, and Coffee Talk, the first one, came out on the 29th of January, 2020. So, I mean, a very similar game style, and it must have had some sort of influence from oh, absolutely. Uh, Valhalla. Oh, yeah, absolutely, As it was, like, the first of that kind of game style. And I'm not, I don't know of any other game that has that sort of um medium that uses it um so Probably it is really joking. interesting i'm joking i'm totally joking <laughs> it's actually kind of interesting to see i looked it up on steam and it's actually a part of a like pack that includes coffee talk so it's it's a pack of all different games like that and both of them are oh, that's the same awesome pack. That's so what's really interesting that. is when I was looking through, I got Valhalla as a standalone. That's interesting. When I was looking through um, some reviews for Coffee Talk and stuff, uh, trying to base of what I was off of, 
Um, one of the, some of the reviews I had was saying, oh, it's very similar to this. It's just much more relaxing of a version, which is fully true. The game itself is comically relaxing um, to the extent where sometimes it becomes bothersome if you really just want something a little more, you know, attention grabbing. But for those who are just playing a game to relax, those who are the typical, you know, Stardew Valley goers, the uh, Slime Rancher doers, uh, those types of people, uh, that this is a game that's very similar to that type of pacing. Um, but uh, if you're really interested in the coffee or drink making feature of the game, there is an endless mode um, that does have limited mistakes and it's based on, you know, day cycles and stuff like that. But it's less about the characters and more so about the drink making, which is a really cool feature because I personally love the drink making aspect of the game. Yeah. So before we move off of gameplay and the story and the background and everything, any more questions you guys have? No, you've explained it pretty well. Yeah, no, you've gone pretty in-depth, and uh, I just wanted to relate it uh, over to Valhalla. I was looking at that bundle that uh, you came out with, Aiden, and uh, I, while the other games do look interesting on it, the Long Story Short bundle at, on Steam, um, they don't quite match the same uh, mechanics that Valhalla and Coffee Talk both give off. Um, so I'd like to know if there is anything else, any other game like that. But... Um, no, that's all I have. I well, just wanted to you know, to that. Something that like I related it to was you know, take a dating sim. Take Doki Doki, for example. Um it is well, honestly uh, well, there's more to that one. <laughs> yeah, that that one's a little interesting. But like um... that's a that's a little bit of a little bit of a adjacent example. I think the concept of character interaction though. I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. And plus, like, you know, it is a visual novel. Um, to expound on that further, it when uh, I forget who it was, I was playing Coffee Talk 2. Um, I know, it might have been Coffee Talk 1. But someone walked in the room and goes, dude, you're playing a dating sim? And I go, no, I'm. it is completely not a dating sim. It just looks a lot like a dating sim. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think so that was Justin. It, it might have been Trith or Justin, seriously. Like, I... But Truth, Truth honestly, interested. That sounds like a Justin thing. The gameplay is kind of very similar to that type of stuff. It's it's really neat. It's a neat game, and honestly, it's worth a check out if you if you are interested in the game. Um, but to talk a little bit more and to expound a little bit more, uh, I want to talk about the music. So the music is a lo-fi thing, and they have how do I put this? They mention the creator of the music consistently throughout the second game. Um, and it's very interesting because they treat him like he's a person within the game, but he is same outside of the game and stuff like that. He actually, in the game, works with one of the people who comes into the cafe, so you end up talking about him consistently. But the music itself is a lo-fi track. You know, a very, very chill, laid back, and easy to study to. Um, but <laughs> Nothing to complain uh, about, but nothing really to write home about. It's extremely repetitive. There are like three mm. tracks which go over and over again. Not bad, not bad, but definitely kind of repetitive. And something How long that do you I think wish they are honestly a minute and a half Ooh. to two minutes. Ooh, Ooh that's rough. <laughs> you could have said yeah, like, you really could have rough. said like a twenty minute lo fi like riff and I would have yeah, been like, Oh, man. that's not so bad and then you said one minute I mean, and I'm like hmm. Yeah, it's it is something that's notable, definitely notable. Um, mm. And it's not like the type of thing with like, you know, Terraria or something like that. You hop on the game, like you have a certain 
thing. You walk to a different area, the music changes. But, like, you know, it's the same track throughout the entire game. It's the same loop over and over again, which takes away from it. Sure, they're very relaxing. However, you know, not the, not the greatest. I will say, though, with quality of life stuff, and, you know, moving on to my second section, the quality of life, the UI and the way this game is designed... For what they're going for, it is perfect. I legitimately have no critiques, no anything. It is exactly what the, what I wanted for the game. Uh, it is exactly what I needed for the okay. game, too. Um, especially the coffee-making part. Elegant, sleek, and fun. Uh, it is perfect in that aspect. But I also want to touch on the visuals. Like the music, the visuals are fantastic. However... There are very few notable individuals. Um, but with uh, visuals and stuff, amazing pixel art. Fantastic. However, each character has like five animations. And it is not my favorite thing. Because I love, I love the character designs. I think it's great. I wasn't the biggest fan on the fact that they don't have a lot of movement and a lot of things to make it feel like, you know, they're a real animated being. Yeah, I am. Do a... you remember seeing stuff about? Sorry, Aiden. Um, do you remember seeing stuff about As Dusk Falls? Do you remember that game? Oh yes, um, yeah, definitely. I had do it. You remember the for like? A bit. Do you remember like the uh, visual stuff that they had, where it's like it's almost like a um, like flipping a um, a flip book or something like that, where the characters like stay still and then flips to another position and then flips to another. Is it kind of like that or is it just like a, is it an animation or something like that? It's not even an animation. It's like if someone jump cut something um, and it's hmm. like it's, one position, it, they start like this and then jump cut. They're like this and then jump cut. And yeah, they're like, it's like, this. it's like simple oh. pixel animations rather than a like actual like pixel style. I am a huge yeah, yeah. Sucks, sucker for pixel art, good pixel art. Like Chucklefish has like some of the best uh, pixel art that I've seen. Oh, it's there, like Eastward and Stardew Valley and all that. Uh, the, just looking at the art from this game, very very good art. Animations could probably use a top up, and sa um, same with music. From what you've told me, um, my first thought was, do you know if there's like mods for this game that say update, you know like, better I animations or better music? You know, I haven't looked into it. I'm sure there are some. However, this is a very new game. Like, very yep. new game. I'm sure Coffee Talk 1 has more of that stuff. Um, but, I mean, I'd be honestly surprised if there were too many of them. Because that seems like something a lot of people would just gloss over. And it seems like a game people would play for relaxing reasons. Not for, like, hardcore 100%ing. Like, getting the most epic endings and stuff like that. That is something else Top I wanted control. to say. Yeah, the Paw Patrol, 100%. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> um, uh, that's something I wanted to say as well. Uh, there is uh, multiple different endings for this game. Um, and multiple that come out with like different types of stuff. What's difficult about that is to get to one of the endings, you have to play through like five hours of gameplay, which is kind of frustrating. So mm. that's why I kind of only ended up playing each of these games one time. Um, both of which I got an okay ending not the good ending but yeah there are multiple different endings to this and they're all you know very similar but uh you know changing slight things here and there um so yeah before i move on to my critiques and recommendations do you guys have any more questions or anything no um 
I mean, I talked to Nick about this because we were because he actually we were online and he was like, David's playing a game called Coffee Talk. What is that? Like hibiscus, and he couldn't say it right or something like that. But no he just fucking he way. honed it's Nick. he honed down the point of like. Uh, it sounded dumb, and so I explained it to him. I was like, it's a story game, and you make coffees, and it's just supposed to be a laid-back like story thing. And his kind of connotation on it was just like, he didn't understand how it would be fun. And I think my question for you, and I know that's the type of, I I kind of answered with it, is the type of gamer you are. You like sitting down and watching those things and stuff like that. But do you think that like one of us would enjoy the game, or do you think it's probably a miss for at least us three uh and uh, it is like a, a very very niche game i think okay. to be fully honest the only person who might enjoy it would be aiden i think both you ethan and layton would kind of be losing your mind if you were to touch yeah. the game. um <laughs> like for me i'm okay with that stuff because i kind of treated it like a book and you know i like to read and i like sitting back and relaxing but it you know, in all reality, is a book with visual aspects. So if you're good with sitting down and reading a six-hour-long picture book, I'd say go ahead. But it certainly isn't for everyone's taste. And that, yeah, I, that's where I get into some of the critiques and stuff. So, Yeah, I, I mean, just to finish, uh, and then you can go right in. Um, I think, honestly, stuff like the game, the game Norco that I played... Uh, that you guys saw, I think Norco would be kind of that dive into what I would enjoy because that had aspects of like, okay, you're clicking somewhere, you're going to the next thing, you're finding out more about this area, but as well as you get that dialogue option, you get this like, okay, this is what you can say, you can also say this, you can say this, and it changes the outcome of how that person interacts with you. And I think something like Coffee Talk would be like, I kind of get bummed if I couldn't say my own thing. Um, but I honestly would be willing to give it a try, I think. But So, you know, what's rough is, um, uh, not rough. Let me, let me put this. So I think we've all experienced this thing. We want to play a game, but we can't find a game to play. So mm-hmm. this game is perfect for that. Yeah. You want to play a game, but you can't find a game to play. So you pop on Coffee Talk, do a bit of story, do a bit of playing the thing, and then you get the urge to play, I don't know, maybe like a more high-intensity game like Fortnite, uh, something maybe you want to play Overwatch, maybe you want to play Diablo 3, which I've been playing lots of recently. Um, so, <laughs> um, But it, it that is, I feel, it, it fills two niches. Um, one of which is the, I am bored of playing all these other games and I want something to sit down and relax to. And the second is, I am a relaxed gamer, like myself, and I want to seek out new games, new indie and relaxed games, kind of like the past ones that I've played before, and I'm looking to try something new. So that's really the two niches that I go for. So getting into the critiques and stuff, for what the game is, it is quite done. For the objective they have, great. Um, the real driving point of the game is the... Uh, is the coffee creations, the characters, and the visuals. What disappoints me as a story indie a story slash indie gamer is the story and the uh, you know interactive parts of the game. Um, uh, like for it being a visual novel, the story is pretty lacking, and the characters seem somewhat 
two-dimensional and especially in comparison to what the first game was um like you have no interactions with the characters like for what i brought up earlier with gala you have no interactions like that with the characters this time which is starkly disappointing in my opinion um but you know it's okay neither of the games were necessarily stand out for their story but they were both pretty good for what they gave um but i do have some recommendations with that um dive into the characters more seriously that is the best thing with this game besides the coffee creations dive into them give something to the player maybe not give something to like the player character give something to the player give some background of the characters or something like that maybe like you know you have like a a, a character thing they kind of dug into it a little bit with the uh oh you have this phone in the second game uh called the tomato chill or something like that it's like one of the apps it's kind of you know represents this instagram and you can go through and see kind of what their lives are like and stuff like that and that was a major improvement over the first game um in my opinion um it in my opinion actually bumped it up an entire mark uh so it's something that you know if you want to dive into these characters more maybe flesh out something on those types of apps or those types of interactions and the thing is I don't want details about the character's life shrewhorned in. It makes it seem lazy. I want it to feel like to feel like maybe I discovered it or maybe I learned about it through another mm. method or something like that. Um, and there are definitely different ways that you could do this. For example, like uh, the app developers, app developers I was talking about, or like game developers I was talking about earlier, Aqua. Um, if maybe you could try a sample of her game or something like that, it would be really neat. But I think Aqua serves more as like a a developer character more than it did like a, a character character which is kind of neat and that's why you don't really see aqua in the second game because the main developer died which is one of the mm. sad things but um it's really neat but as for the story perhaps add more details ambient descriptions being a huge part of what i want to see um it could greatly improve the feeling of the moment like while you can see the ambience and the ambiance and stuff like that like yeah, I can tell that it's raining. Maybe put a description like uh, as the as the the clouds overhead began to uh, uh, began to rain or pour something like that. Um, a mysterious figure who you've never seen walks in or something like that. That could just make the game feel a lot more you know real, and especially it being a visual novel, just makes it a little bit beefier. So, before I get into my overall rating, any more questions, guys? I don't think so. I think I'm good. No, I, I, I really have a question. I just want to comment on uh, what you were saying there. It seems like uh, the game itself, the mechanics as far as it was concerned, and for what it was, it wasn't um, that bad. But uh, it seems like the story itself uh, was not really up to par for what a story should be, especially when the game is specifically centered around that kind of like interaction where you're trying to uh like be immersed in this world and it wasn't doing it uh too great of a job of doing that um at least in the second game um from what i'm hearing and um absolutely yeah so that makes sense i mean to talk a little bit more about it like comparing it to other story games especially you know my 10 out of 10 being like disco elysium and like 9 out of 10 being like uh life is strange true colors it definitely doesn't hit the mark with the story that those two games did like yeah. and though both mm -hmm. those games paint vivid and far-reaching descriptions with their characters with their stories with their ambiance and everything this one just didn't hit that so without further ado my oh, rating of the game. 
really oh, quickly, oh, really quickly oh. before before you give a rating, I just want to since this is, um, I, I I know people are like, ah, oh, I want the the rating, the four light rating, but um, real quick, I just want to uh, overlay real quick and uh, relate to something that I've played back to Valhalla because that's kind of just um, the main story driven game I've played like that like uh, like of this kind um I just want to relate like Valhalla had uh, a sequence in which um like as far as ambiance and setting are concerned there was a sequence in which um there was like an explosion outside of the bar and like it, there was a whole police thing that happened and there were sirens and everything and you had a character like come in it was a that was the introduction for one of the characters and one of the characters was um like a uh, like a medic, like on-site medic who uh, was working that it, like crash that had just happened like outside of the bar. It was really interesting, and um, uh, so I'm <coughs> kind of it, it does it does seem disappointing that um, like it'd be cooler to see games that have developers kind of integrate stuff from like ambiance and setting into the story a little bit better. Um, which it seems like Coffee Talk uh, 2 at least had a hard time doing, uh, delivering on. So I I want to relate it further to a game you guys might have you know experienced or played before. If you guys remember Papers, Please, it, yeah. oh, it yeah. gives me similar vibes rating-wise to that game, if you can rate it. So without further ado, without any more comments or questions, uh, I'm going to rate it a 7.5 out of 10. So, you know, not insanely high, not as high as I would have liked to have put it, but it did bump itself up a full point when I started thinking about it from a 6.5 to a 7.5 when I put in those like extra features of like the cell phone and stuff like that. But yeah, a really good game overall, I'd say, especially from an indie dev that you should definitely check out and definitely, you know, you know, pay tributes and stuff like that to the lead dev who did pass away of this past year. So, yeah. That will be it for my coffee talk review. A seven point five out of ten. So, alrighty. Going from sort of, sort of from that, like, um, just for listeners and people watching right now, um, I believe we're gonna do like a write up thing and probably post um, elsewhere of just kind of summarizing our thoughts and putting out our ratings going forward, just so people can kind of visualize that. Um, and they can kind of see our thoughts on on sort of paper, I guess, uh, but also post it on social medias and stuff like that. Also, so by the way, if you really want to talk and give us your opinions about our ratings and stuff like that, please join our Discord. Tell us what you yes, think. Please. We love our group interaction. We love our fan interaction. Yes. Please come by because we really, I don't know, it makes what we do feel so much more validating because we love what we do. We love talking about this stuff and we'd love to hear your guys' interactions because what if I'm totally off base? Maybe this was a 10 out of 10. Maybe it was a zero out of 10. Let me know. So maybe it was the worst like, game ever. And David just has bad opinions. <laughs> even being maybe able Disco to Elysium, like, uh, play maybe, games with us. Maybe Sorry. Disco, maybe Disco Elysium is actually a zero out of 10. And David just, again, has the worst opinions ever. Please. I don't know. I, I, you guys wouldn't know that you guys wouldn't know because you haven't touched the goddamn game. You know, I have who, no idea uh, what bought, you're talking about. You know, I, I have the game. I bought it. I have per- I've certainly purchased <laughs> Disco Elysium. I, I don't have it. I don't I don't have it. So I I, uh, I haven't played it yet. I haven't played it yet. But uh, the Discord server that kind of Discord link aspect... is in the um, link tree on our Instagram at Four Life Podcast. 
So please come and join and give your opinions. We'd love to have you. Yes, and please. even playing games that uh, you guys want to see us review or something like that, like we can play together. Um, or just hop into a squad or something and roll some Fortnite. I don't know. We'll see. But Fortnite it's, it's dubs, up to you guys. Yeah. Seriously, I'd be willing. I'd be willing. I'd be totally willing to play games with you guys, like 100%, guys. Okay. So are we on to to, game two? Are are we ready for game two? Alrighty. Yes, sir. So, these two reviewed a game. This one uh, traveled all the way to our local local GameStop just to get the thing physical the day it came out. Okay. You said this one, and audio listeners have oh, no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, but you're the one talking, so th- this one is the, an this Ethan. This Ethan. <laughs> there you go. Um, when oh, we, we went to our local mall and picked up the the game physical, and oh, he didn't stop. Was. It was it was finals week, and he did not stop playing it. The second game that we are going to be reviewing today is Jedi Survivor. Layton and Ethan, please take it away. Ethan, so you want to go ahead and go first because yeah, yeah, you didn't write any background down because you're you know stupid. But um, uh, I, so... I don't know what you're talking about. My documents totally filled out. <laughs> yeah, no, you definitely released... wrote something. You wrote they, something for they, the background, if I remember. They, the, game, the game released on April 28th uh, this year, 2003. Bro, you're reading my notes. Um, it was Get re- out of here. released by Respawn Entertainment. You're the worst. <laughs> You can't be you can't be talking like like you did the work here. I went out. I researched. Okay, I, this guy, bro. I, meanwhile, meanwhile, you look at my script and it's literally like an entire like written out document. While theirs is just like highlighted notes. Hey man, I have a good summary at the end. Okay, all right. Mine's I, even I worse. Hey, hey, it's on here. My review but is so, right here, wait, boys. You can't say half of the things on your document on stream. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but so, Jedi Survivor uh, is the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. Um, it was re- released by Respawn, uh, and it released April twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. As Layton, if that was put in, but if Layton mentioned before, um, it was released on, I believe, Xbox Series X, PC. It might have been put on PlayStation. I think it was put on PlayStation. Let me just do a quick look, but. Aside from that, it is basically the successor. Successor? That's the right word. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yep. It's okay, a sequel. It. Um, but it comes after and continues Cal Kestis's journey from the first game, uh, Fallen Order. And Cal Kestis being the uh, main protagonist of the game, the Jedi, who you right. play as uh, in the story. Um, funny and redhead guy. In the first one, we had a lot of, I mean... It was him, um, Cal, learning how to be a Jedi Knight, uh, being chased by Inquisitors consistently. And this one shifted it towards a new adventure where he's kind of... I think Respawn Respawn took it upon themselves to kind of make their own path with Star Wars. Like, they still followed... uh, We got a lot of High uh, Republic-era stuff, which is before the the prequel series, if you guys know that. Um, It's like long before that time. I think it's nice. We'll get into this more, but I think it's nice that uh, we're seeing that in mainstream stuff because you don't often see um, stuff about like the High Republic in mainstream Star Wars media, yeah. like um, like big games or movies and stuff. So it's it's cool to see um, a new adaptation and stuff. And I think honestly, going off of uh, where this game 
kind of went was it paved its path and it explored a new world called Tanalor. Basically, we shift and we find out that Cal has Cal and a group of other people have discovered this world called Tanalor. Um, and this world is basically behind uh, this abyss, which is connected to a different planet called Kobo. And the game kind of goes off of how are we going to get into this abyss? This place will serve as like um, a safe haven for the Empire and Cal's adventures and how he's going to get there. And so I think honestly moving into like the story just to get that out of the way, because this game did release very recently. So we're going to be very, very light on the spoilers. So probably oh, yeah. Yeah, everything should... that happens first world and that's it, uh, which is yeah. Coruscant. Um, anything that kind of dropped in trailers that you saw, we'll also probably mention. Um, but other than that, we're not going to go into any story aspects. So we'll start there. Yeah, I agree. I oh, think. I, I, I... If you want to know, you go for it, Lane. Yeah, no, I, I'm just going to quickly say that um, uh, I think Respawn uh, and the devs behind this one and um, the story writers and stuff did a really good job here in this new series in general. I know we're talking about Jedi Survivor, but I want to talk about this series of games specifically, uh, Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor. Um, as far as the story is concerned... I'm really enjoying what they're doing with it because it's something oh, yeah. totally new. It's something totally different. It's not when I say totally different. Yeah. You're following the footsteps of a Jedi, but I mean, it's still, it, it's a new story. It's new characters. It's you're not seeing a whole lot except for one. You're not seeing a whole lot of um, the same people over and over again. And it's really nice to, see like the explore the new world and explore the new ecosystems and or, or new these are things that have been around in like lore and stuff but you haven't ever really gotten to see a full bit of that and getting a triple a title that releases um that shows off these new things are new to people um that really drives in this uh like totally new story about stuff that had happened between um I think that seems to be a common theme among uh, mainstream releases nowadays is uh, the th what happened between um, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope and um, stuff like that. As far as Star Wars is concerned, uh, besides the uh, uh, the sequels, um, they're doing a very good job with it. And I've, I personally really enjoyed where they went with it so far, both in Fallen Order and Survivor. I managed, mm -hmm. uh, for context, I managed to finish Survivor um, the day before Ethan left because uh, I was playing I was playing on his Xbox because my computer would not be able to run this stuff regardless if we if we even ignore the uh, other stuff we'll get into in a bit um, my computer wouldn't be able to run either of those games so I managed to finish Fallen Order and Survivor the story is oh, it's very very engaging, very well written. A lot of character development. That something um, that is like, it's a baseline for having any sort of good fantasy story, and it just I they tie it so well together. Where they go, especially with the planets of this game, was what really took me. Is uh, one of the planets Kobo, which is kind of that centerpiece. Um, I think Zepho in the previous game was that other centerpiece, yeah. but yeah. in here it's, it's Kobo. 
And Kobo is like a frontier planet. It is not discovered. It's like really far on the outer rim. It's actually pretty close to like the um, kind of place where people in Star Wars just don't go because it's kind of like a void. Um, and for the most part, it's it's just like there's nothing there other than two uh, two types of enemies, which I'm not going to explain because sort of spoilers. Actually, I'll explain one because they do show it in the trailers, but like droids and... Um, you get a little bit of raider stuff, which is like, there's no inquisitors, there's no like big bads, there's no, there's like a little bit touch of the empire, um, but again, the empire hasn't reached this area because it's just so far out of like feasible area. There's no like politicians here, there's nobody special, um, and I think that's what really took me is just this planet is beautiful. There's so much to do. Um, when it goes into a negative later, but I'll talk about that. Um, Lane, yeah, I had a no. question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I I wanted to know, did you think that this game was... Would you have liked the more linear aspect that Jedi Fallen Order had, or did you enjoy the kind of... Because they really spread out here. It's just more Jedi Fallen Order almost. Um, yeah, I... I Though I didn't get to touch on it too much because of the time my time restraints mm-hmm. that I had. I had to get through the story because it was that engaging to me and it was so cool. And all of it's canon, which is nuts to me. It's so oh, yeah. cool to see to see a game form come out that is like full actual, like this is part of the story of Star Wars and it fits so well and it's so well written. It's, it's very nice. Um, I wish I had gotten to explore more of <coughs> of uh, the world in which Jedi Survivor takes place, because Fallen Order was really awesome in that it was open world, but it was linear. Um, but Survivor really drove it home with the open world feel to it. Like you could really go around and go explore these things. It was, um, I don't think this is a spoiler. I think it's just part of the game. It felt like a new frontier esque, like, like, exploration like really getting into the nitty-gritty of like uh what a frontier like in space would look like and um yeah. it did it did a very good job about that because that's what the outer rims are they're frontiers because it people haven't explored that at least in this universe right and um so i thought they really did a good job of fleshing out this whole feeling of open world and i think it I prefer the fact that they did that because you can follow the linear storyline and there is a negative there. There is one negative gripe that I have that I'll go into later because it's more of a uh, it's more of a um, like a gameplay esque piece. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into that in a bit, but I do want I it, I really liked that they opened it up so much um, and I felt a little lost at times, but. That was my own thing. And if I had the time, I would have just gone out and just goofed around. Um, like oh, the yeah. rumor, the the whole rumor um, uh, mechanic that they had in Function was really cool to go in and explore. And it was like, oh, okay, you, you, you can go do this and face this mini boss. And you can have like this reward. You can have some rewards for it. And um, it was cool. And it was enjoyable. I and think- um, yeah. The the rumor aspect, which is something that they did not do in Jedi Fallen Order, was the side quest, um, the side quest component that they just didn't have in Jedi Fallen Order, and yeah. some of the rumors were just it, like some of the characters as well, where you get led to um, one of the characters, Skuva Stev, 
uh, he was a fantastic character. Basically, this like, um, what's it called? What is that word where you go and you dive for fish? Um, scuba, diver. scuba. I don't know why I, scuba stev, and I just didn't get there. I just didn't get there. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but I think that aspect, like, he was just he had so much thought put into that character. He was really funny. Um, and those rumors led you to areas where it's like, oh, you might fight a character, but then also it's like investigate the abandoned shack, and then you fall down like some crazy uh, cavern, and there's a huge boss at the bottom, and it's just this like, oh my god moment. Um, yeah. Which I think they they definitely they helped from Jedi Fallen Order because Jedi Fallen Order was really just story beat and side like chest thing. There was no like big yeah. thing. No, I do want I do want to touch on. I think overall, I'm just really quickly. I'm gonna get into this. Is that I think Survivor outplayed uh, Fallen Order by a good bit. Um, Fallen yeah. Order was really good, but Survivor really expanded on stuff. And especially as far as like the little things, the little details, um, like when you're talking and interacting with people, everybody is kind of is really thought out. Every every character you meet is a thought out individual who has like stuff and even even in your enemies even your enemies can have some some um fun dialogue stuff that happens between them if you just sit there instead of just going in and rushing in and attacking which i yeah, generally do so i i met i miss a lot of that kind of stuff but i did see some like um one of these other interactions this has i mean that's kind of a spoiler so i'm not going to get into it but um it's like if you hang on, a, you're, you know, going along in like an enemy area and you're like just kind of exploring and you're hanging on a ledge, um, there's a droid above you. And if you sit there, you get a whole dialogue like situation from the droid who yeah. like you're li- like Cal is actually listening to this droid talk and the droid goes on and on. And then his dialogue ends and Cal jumps up and you, you do whatever you do to the droid. And then Cal responds little details like that like how he responds to um yep. stuff like that in the game it's it it really immerses you it's so it's so much more priceless than just um the running along um because it I mean, really it really gets you into it moving from that do you guys do you two have any questions before we go into a little bit of gameplay so yeah, it, I, I have a quick one really quick uh, Background-wise, do people need to play Fallen Order first? I would say yes. Um, it is kind of... if You can play Survivor, but it is a definite, like, jump. Um, and you will miss a lot of the interaction that you... It builds characters a lot, especially certain characters that do not get oh, yeah. fleshed out in Survivor that had a lot of story in Fallen Order that, like, if you miss that... You might think that like they didn't put a lot of time into those characters, and then you kind of it falls short. Yeah, if you don't, you can play Survivor as a standalone video game on its own. If you don't play Fallen Order before that, the story is not going to hit as hard. The story mm-hmm. now, the story of Fallen Order leaning into Survivor is so is what really kind of drives on the immersiveness of it. Now, out of ten. How much knowledge do I need to have of Star Wars going into the first game? Uh, I'm asking uh, mm. for a friend. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think, honestly, um, 
Jedi Fallen Order introduced a lot of new stuff. Um, not necessarily like so Inquisitors, which were a big thing. Um, Darth Vader made this like team of bad guys. Um, and these guys would go out and hunt Jedi. And that was a concept that we get in like comic books and other sorts of media. But like if you're just a core Star Wars, like I watch the movies, I watch maybe a little bit of the TV shows, you don't get that aspect. And so this game kind of introduced that, explored it a lot more. And I would say, honestly, you don't even really need a lot. You need like maybe like a little bit of Star Wars knowledge and like just kind of the concepts of like Jedi and Sith. And that's it. Um, yeah, honestly. Um, yeah, honestly, I had I had no. So. Till I played Fallen Order, I had been kind of out of the loop as far as like mainstream Star Wars stuff is concerned ever since. um the sequels uh like i i mean there, i have watched things like rogue one and i've watched um solo and uh, stuff like that but uh i had been kind of out of the loop so getting into fallen order fallen order did introduce things for me it did a good job of introducing things and it didn't have to explain them too terribly to uh it didn't have to explain them too much to me although i did kind of have ethan at the side kind of being like oh my gosh this is this and this is this and i was like oh yeah. okay that makes sense i don't think you necessarily need that i think getting into that and even if you're watching the mainstream stuff today um for star wars uh you'll understand what's going on like in the first game this isn't a spoiler because it's in the first game you go to Fortress Inquisitorius and you blow it up, <laughs> partly. Uh, you blow up one wing of it, and um, since it's not a spoiler, uh, you do face off Darth Vader. Face off as you run away from him while he tears everything down. But if you watch Obi-Wan, uh, in watching Obi-Wan, there's... Um, like they Obi-Wan introduces you to the in Inquisitors as well. Obi-Wan also introduces you to Fortress Inquisitorius. Like, Obi-Wan himself goes to Fortress Inquisitorius and infiltrates it and then ex, uh, exfiltrates it. And um, it's it's not revealed in the game nor in Obi-Wan that either uh, of the stuff that was going on there interacted at all, but you do get that background of what Fortress Inquisitorius is on this water planet um, of also who the Inquisitors are and like stuff like that. A little fun fact of that, actually, is that uh, Jedi Fallen Order actually made Fortress Inquisitorious. We didn't have any background of Fortress Inquisitorious beforehand, and then Obi-Wan actually took that from Jedi Fallen Order, and um, Obi-Wan literally does almost the same exact path that Cal does, which is really, really cool to see uh, on the big screen and, like... It's so fun to watch. In, ...in person and stuff. Um, but... Going from going from that, I think we touch on a little bit of combat and uh, gameplay. I think yeah. what really sold here and in this game is that the gameplay, at least like parkour and stuff like that, it had the same components from the first game, but it also felt so equally, at least to me, fresh and like new, um, oh, even yeah. with just fresh. two abilities. Fresh um, was definitely the way I would put it, because um, even... I'm a very big feel kind of person as far as like anything I do. I'm a very big feel kind of person. So like if I feel it out, I can understand it pretty quickly um, or at least the base components of it. Just touching the controller for the first time playing a survivor, just like getting into the movement, I could immediately feel because I had played Fallen Order before and it's the same kind of mechanics and stuff, but I could immediately feel that there was 
huge technical improvements in the movement system. Oh yeah. The com- the combat system is so much better than it was in Fallen Order. I say better, I mean as far as like movement and the feel and the flow of things was so more uh, so much more um fleshed out. Like the reactions of like Cal, even if like you're if you're moving your joystick in one direction, like if you're double Excuse me. Yeah, this is part of it. If you're double jumping, because that's an ability you get um, one direction, but like uh, you're like moving around in another. If you, it's very easy to control what you will do. What you want to do if you do it, like the game will allow you. If you have a thought, yeah. yeah, If you have a thought and you want to do it, and you're not doing something stupid, it'll generally work. There's some. Sometimes it's a little bit um, iffy, but it's a rarity. Um, like sometimes you'll get stuck in a place that people like didn't really flesh out. Um, but it's a rarity and, uh, it just feels so much more responsive than the first game did. I think like going from that into combat, um, it really fleshed the style of like, we have this really new concept of parkour with two new abilities that I'm not going to spoil because they're really cool when you figure them out. Um, actually, one of them I can spoil because it was shown in the game uh, in the trailers is uh, the Mario esque jump where you're jumping from one wall to the next all the way up. Um, and a little fun fact of that uh, before I go into combat is that actually that was taken that the scene where you learn that is taken directly from Metroid um, where Samus, uh, if you guys know Metroid, Samus finds these three little creatures and they jump up the wall to teach you how to do the Mario jump or the the Mario jump esque. And in this game, they have three little creatures do the exact same thing. So it's a little nod to Metroid, which was really cool. Um, But going from that might've been the coolest thing you've said all day, by the way, I just, (laughs) that's neat. It is. It is really cool. And when I found that out, I was, I was actually pretty, pretty excited about that. But um, going into gameplay, I think, Another thing they really did well, and the first game, I loved the gameplay. I loved, or the combat. I loved being able to feel that, like, lightsaber Dark Souls-esque, where it's just difficult. There's a lot of parrying and stuff. But this game, with the different stances that they introduced, introduced a kind of how you play and how you're a specific gamer and how that's going to correlate into how you kind of fight. Oh, my gosh. Um, They did such a... They did, again... I'm a feel person. First off, I'm going to say that it felt more like a Sekiro than it did a Dark Souls, if you played either of those. Because yeah. uh, it's more parry-based than it is dodge-based. Um, but they did such a good job of making the styles, at least from the ones I was doing, using those. Um, they did a very good job of making it. If you play, if you're a cer- if you play some certain kind of way you should use this style. Or if you play some other different way, you should use this style. And you can feel it out for yourself. You can feel which style really kind of suits you. And I felt it immediately. Like, this isn't a spoiler or anything. I was playing the other styles. There's one new style that I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. All of the styles, but were, I all found, of the styles like, were released in trailers, so you can talk about it. Oh, okay, good. Now. Good. The Claymore style was the new style I was using. Originally in the first game, it's just the single blade and the uh, dual bladed. And the Claymore style I was 
uh, tried it out, and that that really spoke to me. And it's like you're wielding a great sword. Like I don't know how you can get a lightsaber to look like it feels heavy, <laughs> but they do, and they do it really well. Um, and uh, the other style I ended up using, like I tried all of the different ones. I tried uh, the dual wielding. I tried the um, single with the gun, and I tried claymore, and I, uh, I I went through all of them. But the one that really spoke to me was double bladed. Like. I didn't think of myself as that kind of person. Like I didn't think that that would be the the style I would kind of go for as far as this game is concerned. But the more I played it, the more I could feel myself falling into it and being like, okay, this feels correct to me. This flows right for me. This feels yeah. like good. And they did such a good job of making that like stand out to you, at least in my case. Um, it, it was just really cool to kind of go through those and test them all and feel like, okay, this is the one that I really, this is the one I like. I think I really loved that. I think they call it cross guard in the game. Um, yeah, it was cross guard. But that, that so. Claymore ask, uh, as aspects, jeez. Uh, um, but like that kind of style where like what I was talking about, where if you're a heavy player, you like throwing big punches, but you don't really care about like the quick time, like dodging and stuff like that. Claymore was a really good fit for like you would just swing overhead on somebody, but it also left you to be like really easy to kind of hit. Um, and I think other stuff of like the 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 blaster and the lightsaber where you could just keep long distance, and that's one I used quite a lot, where I was able to just kind of keep distance with somebody and then kind of swipe in, hit, swipe in, hit, but keep that uh, blaster up. And I, I yeah, really enjoyed so... how they how they did that. It was so cool to see just how, uh, at least between the two of us, like, play differently. I have always thought, like, speed, uh, like, going really quickly and doing as many attacks as possible in, like, a quick succession and, like, getting close to someone and, like, getting there and just going at it. um, I've always felt like that's, like, a more fun way for me to play which is why the dual bladed spoke to me so much because i don't need the range uh, like the range piece was interesting but it didn't you know, like i didn't feel it too much and um even like the double bladed the double bladed i guess speaks closer to um what i'm talking about like it's really quick it's really fast but for some reason the dual bladed like the group the grouping mechanic of the dual bladed really just hit home oh, yeah. with me more than the double bladed did it was it's interesting it's cool to see i think going from and then kind of moving uh combat really played a role in obviously just how they worked with bosses and level design um and i think we probably won't touch on this one too much like it literally will be like back and forth just really quick because the bosses are the main set piece of this game uh, yeah. And without spoiling, you can't really go into too much about it. But I think personally, sl- it, like, I don't even really call it a negative. It's like a neutral to me. They did feel really easy. I was on Jedi Master, which is one higher than the neg- uh, than the um, normal difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. And I just felt like it, it wasn't like it wasn't crazy hard, but it like or like it wasn't crazy easy, but it also it definitely was not as hard as the first game for me. Like I struggled between like, um, um, Maricos, Maricos. I think that's what his name was. That fight took me like almost Elden ring hours. Like that thing was like awful to me. And I think that also because I hadn't dived into 
Dark Souls and that aspect of like high intensity gameplay. I think if you are a person who kind of enjoys that laid back, I think normal difficulty honestly may be the play for you. Um, but yeah, I think my two pieces about the boss is just that they were kind of easy, but they were super, super interesting. And all of the cutscenes that went along with the bosses were just phenomenal. Oh, um, yeah. No, one of them specifically is standing out to me right now. It was so like it, it was mind breaking how they were going about it. It was so good and so mm. rich in like story and character development. And it was just. Oh, it was really cool. And um, I will say I kind of agree that it felt easy, but I think it's because I was not playing on Jedi Grandmaster. I yeah. think they, I, I think if I love Dark Souls and I love that series and I love that feel of a game where it's like, you need to like be the best to do this correctly. And if you're not, it's going to, you, you're going to fail. You're going to die in like two mm-hmm. hits. Um, and, well, I it, I did find some challenge at the Jedi uh, Master difficulty, um, the normal being Knight, and then Grandmaster being one above that. Um, and they tell you in the menu like how like what what your parry time is versus like how much damage your enemies are gonna do that kind of thing. And parry time for Grandmaster is like this much, where everybody else is like this much, and the bar is this long. But uh, I did find that uh, it felt easy as well. Which I think if I had played it on Grandmaster, I don't think that would have been a problem. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, no, I I think that the difficulty was kind of just it was a, it was a neutral, it wasn't a negative for me. But yeah, going from that, uh, asking just once more, do you guys have any questions before we go into the last kind of two pieces of this? Uh, so Leighton, why exactly are you a masochist? Um, so, I'm just joking. I'm just messing. Um, <laughs> I'm not a masochist. We've gone over this before in some previous podcasts. Yeah, no, I could I could have done it on Grandmaster. Uh, oh yeah, we've gone yeah. over this before in previous uh, podcasts. I am the kind of gamer where it's like I like a challenge. I don't know what it is. I do something. I'm like I could have done that better. And, and also, uh, and then I end up being there for two hours. It 100% could have also been the aspects of, like, both both me and Leighton have played through Sekiro and specific Dark Souls games and just know that kind of, like... I think a lot of aspects before when I was going into a difficult game is, like, the knowledge in which you know when to back off and, like, play out a fight rather than just keep swinging as long as you can. I think that's a really big aspect of once you start playing those games, you start realizing like, Oh, like you maybe walk in for the first time and you go and he hit the guy hits you and your health bar goes super far down and you go, Oh, maybe the aspects is I just try to do as as much damage as I can. And I think this game was very like, I stood back and then I immediately was like, okay, I'm going to play this how I think I should play this. And I'm going to give it distance and I'm going to move in slowly and i'm gonna keep until like the bar kind of just wears down um and i think that probably played into the easy mode of just we just have that knowledge you know um, it's interesting yeah, too because it requires utmost patience when playing those types of games too yeah and that's not necessarily for everyone so for those people who are looking for an action-packed game is this what is this a game you'd recommend oh yeah 100 100 i think i think this game uh, I think if you haven't played Fallen Order, you should play Fallen Order first. But you definitely like this game is a must. It's it's 
definitely game of the year contender in my eyes, even though I'm looking at Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think it's going to be in the discussion, and it may even be up there. Um, actually, I think it 100% is going to be up in that list. But oh no, it so it's going to win a few things. It's like Elden Ring versus God of War. Like seriously, yeah, yeah. Um, so it deserved it. <laughs> so going into our last final things here, um, one of the big focuses for me was music. Um, oh, yep. This. This game blew my mind when it came uh, to some of the moments where they played with music. And I actually was watching a couple interviews with uh, the actress for Sierra Junda, um, who she's like the she's the she's the mentor for Cal. Uh, she's in the first game a lot. She saves Cal's life. Um, it's a big aspect of she's in this game. I'm not going to spoil how she plays a role, but some of the moments just like it gives me chills because they played with music in such a way that it was almost like entire scenes were orchestrated just through the music and like quite literally like there was orchestration orchestrated pieces but also like it almost felt like specific movements that the characters were doing were off of certain um instruments in the background and one of the highlighted devastating moments in this game, uh, like the problem, not necessarily climax, actually maybe climax. That moment destroyed me in just how they played with that music. And I was very impressed throughout the entire thing, even from the opening. The opening is just like mad crazy for no reason. Like the music goes hard for no reason, but it's just so funny. Uh, but yeah, uh, Layton, what'd you think? Yeah, no, I, oh my gosh. The music they had in this game was, honestly, it was comparable to some of, like, hearing the uh, sound, like, hearing the music for the for the original Star Wars movies. Like, some of those, some of the music, when I went back to it and listened to some of that stuff, like, later or later in the game, you hearing, like, the main theme play, it was, like, it was iconic really it was so well put together and so much thought was put into like how this piece is supposed to sound how the emotions are supposed to play through here and through the music and how the the like the action scenes would have the correct music for that and like the exploration would have that kind of thing and the big like important scenes would have incredible uh, orchestral pieces going along with it, and it all it all fit the th- the feeling of Star Wars. So like, it's so hard for me to believe that this music is so good it stacks up to John Williams. But that's okay. what you're saying. I, right I, no, no, I will, say, crazy. I will say it's not the same as hearing the or the Star the Star Wars theme or the Cantina band. It's not quite the same because John Williams is John Williams is an amazing composer and he's done so much work that just blows people away but it i will say they wanted to capture the sound of star wars the feeling of star wars and the 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 drama and the the like emotion behind all of it and the the power they did a stellar job of that i thought Mm. the music was incredible especially during the big scenes it was it all felt right for a star wars game it gave star wars music and i really appreciated that i think the scene that i was talking about that that devastating one um 
is it i honestly could compare it that song that they played to one of john williams songs um it it, it is surprising to me i was just like baffled but it like one that scene made me tear up just for emotional standpoints but like i went back and just listened to it straight and it is like I don't even like. I think it's a combination. Bro, of you're Palatine. selling the game so hard right now. It's so crazy because <laughs> that I, is I like, know, like, right now, like comparable to John Williams. Is just like, dude. <sighs> I don't even know if you guys were there when I was playing. I think you guys were in the room when I was playing that scene. Um, and I know a couple times, but like, I listened back to that song, and it's just like, it's blows your mind. I I might even be able to play it for you guys after the podcast, but. I don't know. It's just like yeah, it's on- so great. Honestly, Bro, please it's... don't because I'm gonna play that game eventually. So hell yes. <laughs> Is that okay. the music they did such a good job? Gosh, Joey, our music major friend, would go nuts over the stuff they did there. Um, like some of the way uh, I I don't want to get too far into it because. I could go on forever about how awesome the music was, but it was really excellent and it really did drive home like I, the feeling of this game for me. Right, I think it, it definitely sold it one hundred percent. One thing though, going going into our kind of critiques here, um, that didn't really sell oh, yes. it as as well um, is um, I had two, um, and actually, as you'll hear in my rating, I started this game off uh, as a ten. I was like 20, 20 or so hours in. It takes about 25 hours to finish the game. And I was fully ready to just be like, boom, 10. That's all I needed. Um, and as I was kind of, I talked to a couple more friends. I talked to Layton. I talked to Nick, who had played the game all the way through. Getting their feedback and just kind of taking off the rose-tinted glasses a little bit, there were some negatives that came in. Um, and I think the yes. biggest for me was just the visual bugs and visual um, playback that this game had. It is beautiful. It is, it runs really well, but there were some substantial, I wouldn't say substantial, but like there were some things that just kind of set the back, the game back where you'd like pause and your immersion would be like flicked out of existence because now Cal is like 50 feet up in the air. You have no idea how he got there. Then he's back on the ground and then the game crashes. He's like like free floating. Yeah, and he's like he's doing like the like the GTA fall thing, (laughs) and then all of a sudden uh, the game crashes. And that was a big thing of like day one, day two to just like the first week. Is literally, I I was looking at the reviews on Steam earlier because the PC release was completely different from the Xbox release. The Xbox release, yeah, had some bugs here and there, and yes, there was some crashes and stuff. The PC release was like they just took the Xbox game and stuck it on PC without any sort of porting or anything, and people were really mad. It is technically rated as a 6 out of 10 on PC right now on Steam because of that reason. There were so many day one cra- There were so many crashes, period, and they still haven't been fixed, actually, um, which is a big piece about this. I but think there are so many like, probably... uh, graphical issues. They have not fixed them yet. I looked at the reviews, recent reviews, still nothing. There was focus on fixing Xbox, which there were a couple day one patches that came out. But yeah. for the most part, uh, I definitely I saw it 
so much more in Layton's uh, playthrough than I did mine. But, like, there were substantial things where it's just, like, the entire game would kind of pause for a sec, and then some random glitch would happen, maybe, like, an enemy would bug the hell out, and then the game would come back to kind of life again. But sometimes that would mess up the entire gameplay. And, like... Um, like in your version stuff. There were, there right. were multiple times... There were uh, multiple times where enemies that I would have to fight, like big enemies, I'd be like, oh, son of a nutcracker, I have to do this. I have to fight this guy again. <laughs> and I would I would go for him, and I would do like this one thing the devs like weren't like expecting, or like the game AI was not expecting for me to do. Like, um, for example, I'm just gonna put it out there, one of the enemies is like a big beast, because you fight beasts in the first game, too. Um, there's this one big beast, I'm not gonna, I don't remember the name of it, but uh, it, there's a scene where it's coming out of, like, uh, this, like, stone area, and it's coming out towards these stormtroopers, and um, there's uh, there's always been some theme of, like, the Empire interacting with the local wildlife um, among these games, <laughs> but um, it, the stormtroopers are, like, sitting there, and they're gonna get destroyed by this beast. I had not realized that there was a beast coming, and I had immediately switched into Empire combat mode. So I had force pulled the stormtrooper, one of the stormtroopers, away from where the uh, beast was going towards. And the beast, the AI, tracked the stormtrooper. And the stormtrooper fell off a cliff, and the beast disappeared oh, with the right. stormtrooper. Because I was yeah. looking, I was focused on the other stormtrooper there, and I wasn't like expecting this beast to come out, and it did, and it followed the stormtrooper, and I like flick around, I'm like, where'd it go? Gone. There was no trace. <laughs> no trace of this Adam. annoying enemy I had to do. And that happened multiple times, on multiple occasions for me, which really was like, ugh. But um, as far as graphical it... and gameplay issues, that was the big thing. Yeah. Um, honestly, and actually, I think I have one tiny more, um, kind of, I critique, have one, I, and then I have one more. Afterwards. Yeah. And then we'll go into our, um, we'll go into our review or our rating and then nerdy news will wrap up. Um, I think I really enjoyed the planet hopping that came in for the first game. And this game, I did find myself kind of. I wouldn't say annoyed, but like bored almost when after I finish the game, there is other things you can do bounties, you can do side quests. But what really kind of stuck was just that there was not much to do. I mean, there there was just a ton of like, hey, you have to go to this planet, then go to this planet, then do this small thing, then go to this planet. And it was just incredibly, I don't know, I would say like tedious over the top and just yeah tedious and it it got to the point where i i didn't knock i knocked it 0.5 points um from where i am now um uh, because of it but other than that it was just it was just a small thing wait what was yeah. your critique? my final bit my final critique for um it was the map system at least, like the in-world map system, as much of an improvement as it was from the first game, because I will admit it was a big improvement from the first game, and they did a much better job, I think, of the map system. Um, sometimes I would lose myself because I was trying to follow the main storyline and I was trying to go directly to each of the story things because I was on a time crunch to get this thing done and to play the game to finish the story. <laughs> I Sometimes I would lose myself. I'd be like, 
okay, I, the marker is over here, so I go this way, but I can't go anywhere further because I don't have the ability to do this stuff yet, so where the hell do I go now? And I yep. would, I, there were times where there's one specific instance I remember where I was like, okay, this isn't working. So I had to go to the other area, which is another huge location. You have to go and go through and try to find exactly where you're, the path you're trying to take. And um, it wasn't as directed as I think it could have been. Like, uh, if you, you were trying to follow the main storyline, you could lose yourself in the rest of the world. And um, while that does, f- like, follow as far as, like, uh, an experience is concerned and how, like, what Cal would actually probably be going through doing his story, um, that's not what you're trying to look for as a gamer. As a, as yeah. a player of the game who's an immersive, like, looking for the immersive experience, you're just looking to try to get to point A to point B. And I think that kind of follows in with what you're talking about, Ethan, where um, if you have to go to this planet, to this planet, back to this planet, to this planet, that takes time. And that time does not have, it, it does not have to take as much time as it does. And I think the developers could have um, cut down on that kind of thing and maybe directed a little bit better as far as, like, specific individual things you had to do um right but <laughs> i do think overall they did a very good job and I, I kind of had a sense of where to go i just had to uh um think about it a little bit more than i would have liked to sometimes so getting into your overall what what would you overall rate jedi survivor um well ethan why don't you go first um i asked you okay Ah, yes, but you see... I'm kidding. Um, Before we finish with our overall rating, I do want to ask Aiden and David if you have any more questions for us um, about our thoughts. So, the bugs concerning PC stuff. uh, Is there a date that they're estimated to fix this? Because, I mean, like, for me, I am a PC player. I do not own an Xbox. I do not own a PS5. I would need to play this on a pc that is an extreme honestly, an extreme negative for me i'm honestly not sure i do I believe that it's, it's been like a month, um, I, I i believe i i just checked out the reviews on steam there currently is no fix if it actually might have gotten worse uh, reading through the reviews, it's like uh, yeah, I love I'm when like, they do that. Yeah, it's it's like I'm reading reviews and it's like, all right, I bought this three patches in and it's it's atrocious and unplayable. Uh, it eats up twelve gigabytes of my VRAM and then crashes. Uh, that's, right. that's yeah. just ridiculous. Oh so my god, it's it's, not it's what made I think for Xbox. I think they did really Xbox. focus on Xbox and I think I think we will probably see because Respawn does care it's just I think they really just wanted to home in onto Xbox and PC or I'm, PS5 I'm honestly um honestly I'm a little worried for PC Jedi's Survivor because they Respawn has a history of forgetting things That's um, fair <clears throat> a certain I think <laughs> anthem <laughs> Titanfall three. Ooh, no, you right, you oh, right, you right. Awful. Oh my. I do. Spawn, I, I think has a history that for that kind of thing. So I, I hope. I think I hope they are gonna either. probably work on it though. Like we'll see something in like a month or two months, uh, which kind of sucks for PC gamers. But 
it will be fixed, and that's a positive, I guess. I I don't know. Will I be guess. is a guess. That's true. It's potential that it will. It's potential it won't. We'll just have to wait and see for that kind of thing. Um, and I agree. I am a PC gamer. Not that my PC can run anything. Um, but uh, I do want to see where they'll go with that. And I hope Respawn does not forget about the PC, uh, the poor PC players. All right. But, so, Layton, Aiden, anything? Do you have any other questions? Nope, I got nothing. Added. Aiden got no questions. He, David, he's got nothing. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Overall, I believe the overall rating for light in general, because I know my rating, and I think I know Ethan's rating. Ethan, is your rating still what I think it is? I don't think so. You may have Trek. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, because I was thinking about doing that too. Okay. Oh, for real? Good. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, was thinking, I was thinking about doing that too, because I was thinking about it a little more. My final thoughts I think uh, Jedi Survivor, as an overall rating for me, uh, 9.25 out of 10. You are a little shit. You know that? You are a little... I'm lowering you to a 9. You're not allowed to do that. Because that means that when I say my rating, which, spoiler alert, I'm giving Jedi Survivor a 9, we have to put something in between 9 and 9.2... Or 9... Guys, 9. what's the no, problem fuck. here? Just do uh, 9.125. That's, like, no problem at all, right? <laughs> my rating is a 9.12. Just kidding. No, but in reality... It is, my rating is somewhere between a 9 and a 9.5, and I think it falls closer to a 9. So I'm also going to give it a 9 out of 10, so I don't have to confuse the decimals. Um, Yeah, so that means that overall, the 4-light rating for Jedi Survivor is a 9 out of 10. Which I'm pretty excited about, guys. I'm excited to go back and play it, uh, New Game Plus and stuff like that, which is not something I can play for a lot of games. I do want to stipulate really quickly. just as a little general background information, Ethan and I had both originally thought about rating Jedi Survivor at 9.5 out of 10. Because yeah. we were like, okay, yeah, bugs here and there, maps. Going through this conversation, I believe, both of us were like, it kind of needs to be dropped down a full point because of the things that Respawn have um, failed to deliver It needs to on. be worked on. It needs to be worked on. It needs to be. And, and that I, doesn't all, mean I, these are final ratings, by the way, by any means. It's just that right. at this moment, it is a 9 out of 10. Agreed. I agree. I think I would very much love to give this game a 10 out of 10 because the story was one of the best game video game stories I have immersed myself in in a long time. So yeah. they did responded to the devs and the story team did a very good job of writing this one. Um, but yeah. So, Aiden, you want to bring us into our next thing? That's our... <laughs> our I have well, small, small thing. I don't know what the nerdy news is because you never wrote a script. I know. So that's why I bounce it to you and then we bounce it right back to me. Hey, <laughs> that was the idea. <laughs> so here we are entering our nerdy news section of the podcast where we just spout out some random news that we've discovered while scouring the internet like the rats we are. Um, I think you mean you. (laughs) Kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, Discord, Discord, Uh, moderator. 
We are all currently on Discord. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who's the moderator? It, I, can. I think Aiden will be excited about two of these to talk about because he hasn't had much input on on this one, just because he hasn't he didn't review anything. Um, but I think starting. We have Overwatch 2's announcement that PVE is not coming. And <laughs> this was like, this is just an entire thing in itself of like, I, I think I was almost not surprised because we had waited so long. But the only hope I had had for Overwatch 2, um, other, other than it just being Overwatch 1, is that they were going to introduce a brand new story and new abilities, all this, and they, they just so threw it out the window. They had so many, like, trailers and gameplay stuff of, like, PvE with talent then trees it, and, Entire like, fucking first mission, too. animations. Like, each... Blizzard. It, the enemies would, like, interact in unique ways to different bullets and, like, types of bullets. They had, like, a fully immersive system that they were building, and they showed it all, and it's gone. I think Literally my brain's right. great. How, how is my brain... I don't know. How does this... What? I don't know what it is, but Blizzard Wiped once clean. again proves to be a shitty game-developing company. <laughs> right, you know what? It just even... makes my heart... It makes me so happy sometimes. <laughs> I'm not even joking. So it was funny. a video they had released where, or I think it was a live stream. It was a live, was it a live stream. stream? It was like a Q and A yeah. with the dev to like on and what is going on moving forward. And it was literally just a, yeah, PVE is not coming. Anyway, and so life the worst thing about it, the worst thing about it is that they had a roadmap of, they have a roadmap posted in Overwatch 2 that you can see visually where it was, okay, this is our uh, season four, season five, season six, and what we're going to be doing. And they had some really cool stuff. And one of them in season five was PVE finally coming. And everybody was like, oh, yes, finally, let's go. And then they released a live stream and they're like, um, it, it, it takes too much work. It's hard. Uh, yeah, it, we don't it's, want to it's, anymore. It's hard. By they a, literally by is difficult. I'm serious. I I have been coping. Like, I've been coping and seething and molding about Blizzard for these past, like, three years. Because I am a... At my heart, I was raised on Diablo. I was raised on World of Warcraft. I was raised on Overwatch. I was a Blizzard fan. I legitimately wanted to go to BlizzCon as a kid. Like, I'm gonna lose my mind. Because what did they do? They were a titan of the industry when I was younger. And now they are so gone. <laughs> I saw, I saw a TikTok that's just like um, <laughs> Blizzard and Mojang um, duking it out to see who can do the least with billions of dollars. Yeah. I love I, it. Like, I, love it. What I don't know so... what it is. It just fills my heart with joy. <laughs> I hate Blizzard. Honestly, honestly, I'm at a point where it's just like... it. What we see now with this is that what Overwatch 2 basically did, what these devs did is they took the base game, made it free-to-play, which a lot of people had already purchased Overwatch 1, so they were not getting many sales off that. They took the free things about Overwatch 1, such as loot boxes, um, cosmetics, uh, emotes, all that, and monetized it, made a battle pass, and then put it out, and that's it. So from a standpoint, like looking back, this honestly now with no PvE looks like it was just a cash grab. It's just That's a cash grab. It was a marketing and they've scheme. done it multiple times. <laughs> it's a marketing scheme pissed. to one, um, divert people's attention away from the company's internal issues, 
that uh, you can look at the news for that one. We should probably shouldn't mention it on the podcast. Um, and also just a cash grab to uh, monetize the same way other games have been, been monetized. I, I am fully serious. I don't think I'm buying Diablo 4. Like, this has pissed me wow. off this much. Like, wow. I don't oh want to support this company. Lord. Like, David just, not buying Diablo? This is bad, then. <laughs> that's like... Yeah, I'm gonna still... I'll I'm, play Diablo. I'll play Diablo 3. I love that game. And I've put hundreds of hours into it. I still play it with my family. Like, I'll still play that game. I don't think I want to support this company. I don't want to put any extra money of my own money into this company until they start, you know, fucking shaping up. Because, oh my yeah, god. I think... I don't the, think they're gonna recover from this. It was an interesting thing where both me and Aiden got on, and I went, uh, oh, so what do we play? And, like, we're going through our games, and I go, uh, I guess Overwatch? And Aiden, like, we get on, and we're playing for, like, 15 minutes. And I just go, why are we playing this again? What is the, like, what is the goal? And Aiden just goes, no, but, like, for real, why are we playing this? And we both hopped off. <laughs> yeah, we, we both were just like, no, it's not worth it. It's like, and then we the got game is just, there's nothing to it. Um, it's but yeah, the same no, that is Overwatch our... one. The new heroes are mid at best and broken at worst, and they monetized everything cool about it. It's so disappointing. As much as much hate as I give Blizzard, I just, one can only hope, right? One can only be like, maybe sometime they'll fix themselves because yeah. at the moment. It's kind of a laughing stock. I'm I would sorry, love Blizzard. To see Overwatch 2 like succeed. Like that's not what any of us are saying. Especially is like when we go into these conversations about specific games, we're all we all love games so much, and the focus is not to be like, ah, oh, yes, this game should not exist anymore. It should be this game. We we want to see it succeed. We want to see it uh, do well. And that was our conversation about like Redfall and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I like I just I'm so disappointed in what they're doing. More reason to buy indie games instead. That's <laughs> what I'm saying, baby. <laughs> no, speaking um, of which, I have a thing I want to talk about for nerdy news. Can I hop on here really quick? Go right ahead. Silk Song has officially been delayed. I'm yeah, just it putting has. it out there. It has officially been kidding? delayed. It could potentially not okay be in this. 2023. <laughs> no, I'm seriously fine with this. I get it. They pushed themselves a little too hard. Their problem was that they didn't talk to the consumers. They've done that now. Does that make up for the years of silence? Absolutely not. But they've spoken, and I'm okay with it. Make a goddamn perfect game, Team Jerry. No, Go no, ahead. No. If fucking Silk Song releases, like, q3 q4 or something like out of nowhere that's like game of the year contender like very oh 100 it will very real game or of they year could contender. or or you know what team cherry could do they could wait till 2024 to release silk song you know considering they have to compete with survivor right now and tears of the kingdom and tears of the kingdom and no, Tears of the Kingdom. Might <laughs> be on marketing <laughs> tactics and not do that. Maybe that's what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, seriously. No game's the game has been done for like three years now. They just, they've just delayed it because of Eldering and God of War. And then Tears of the Kingdom and Jedi Survivor. They're going they're for like, the Game of the Year like, award. I mean, I honestly, a stretch. Like, if they, can get, if they can get Game of the Year, which is a very real possibility, that game legitimately might be one of the best things that they could have ever done. So 
this watch yes. though 2024 um, we get Sekiro 2 <laughs> it's like oh shit well one more year so, so we get like Sekiro DLC like what four years after the fact it's all about GTA Ishin. 6 we get play as Ishin. <laughs> Just it's just GTA it's just GTA 6 oh my god actually GTA I, 6 released. wait a minute I think yeah GTA 6 released uh, a release year finally um when is it? Let me look really quickly. Excuse me. That was like 2020. Uh, 2020 in fiscal 2025, we expect to enter this new era by launching several groundbreaking titles. Uh, hmm. While he's looking that up, uh, Armored Core uh, Armored Core Six released a trailer like three weeks ago, and a release date. Oh, what? That's sick. I have not seen um, that. The release date is August 25th, 2023. Bro, did you hear what? Elder Scrolls oh, 6 is coming wait out? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold Andrew. on. <laughs> August 25th, 2023? Yeah. Bro, my wallet, dude. I can't be doing this. This is not over. Okay. This is <laughs> No, so uh, it hey, seems it back. seems it seems that Take 2 uh has not specifically stated that Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to come out uh in 2025, but they ha- say uh, we expect to enter this new era by launching several groundbreaking titles that we believe will set new standards in our industry and enable us to achieve over eight billion in net bookings, um, which is a lot of damn money. Um, eight billion dollars is a lot of zeros. So, <laughs> I mean, it has to be two of their bigger titles, and, and like one of two of their big, bigger titles, and it looks like it might be Grand Theft Auto Six. I mean, so it better not be RDR. Such a huge popular game that. I, I genuinely believe GTA 6 will break the internet harder than like Tears of the Kingdom or Survivor or whatever because it is it's like Skyrim 2. It's it's like no, it's like seriously. if they released Skyrim 2 and it's not just Skyrim. No, I think legitimately it is going to be a bigger yeah. game than even like Elder Scrolls 6 coming out. I'm being serious because of the fact that it like I literally was looking at the page during this podcast. It has 1.5 million reviews on Steam. Like that is comical. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's also been out forever. It's nuts. See, uh, GTA GTA 5 has, has been like doing the Skyrim of releasing itself on all the different consoles and uh, different generations this whole time, but. Yeah. In the background, they've been making new things and adding new things, and also teasing like GT the possibility of GTA Six. Whilst only recently have we gotten confirmation that Elder Scrolls Six is potentially in the works. Yeah. So it, it uh, yeah, it's gonna be those gonna two be games. Big. Those two games. Those two games better be groundbreaking if they ever come out. Uh, they better be like, holy shit! You like, know. You know they what's also going to be, gonna be, you know what's also going to be groundbreaking? The Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Yes. Yo. August 20th. Which or is our October next, next uh, nerdy news. October They released 28th. a trailer. Yeah. It actually it as it does on every like every single thing gets hate by the internet, but I think it was pretty overwhelmingly positive for the most part, but yeah, then no, there was everyone, some yeah. negative. Okay. I've stuff. I've been following it pretty closely. Everyone is really excited for the movie, and everyone thinks that it looks amazing, like um, CGI-wise and like with the animatronics and all that. Everyone thinks it looks amazing, except for one detail, the fact that they have glowing red eyes. 
people thought that that was cheesy mm. and not accurate to the story, which actually it is. It's how they're described in the books, and um, it's it's how they're described when they're possessed that they have glowing red eyes and they're on the attack. Um, or well, Josh Hutcherson, also... man. It's it it is a little cheesy, and I will be honest. Personally, I prefer the black beady eyes way more and it looks way scarier and way better when people have edited the trailer to have that but honestly i still think it's going to be a great movie well then again mm-hmm. the books created this magical device that like emits a sound that incapacitated any single living being so like it didn't inca- i don't know if... it caused them to hallucinate oh yeah well equally as got five minutes of freddy's lore but like I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. I just want to say, at the same time, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a movie that we're gonna go see. Like uh, it's not gonna. Did be we yeah. talk about the Iron Lung trailer that also came out? Oh yeah, I think we yes. did in our last yeah. one. I think, I think we did. That we is did. something we are going to give a review on over the summer when that comes. I out. I just want to say because that's coming out. Soon. Poor, poor Josh Hutcherson. You know that man. As ever since he went. And played Zathura. He's never been. To, he's never been the same. That's Ever since the guy. He, That's why I recognized and, him. That's yeah. why I he's recognized been, him. He's also in Hunger he's, Games. And yeah, he's uh, in Hunger the, Games, uh, Bridge to Terabithia. He's in Journey to the Center of the Earth. He's in Zathura. He's in Big Hero Six. He's in Polar Express. That guy. Ever since he. Uh, ever since he played that one little board game. He's, he's you know, in Polar he's kinda, Express. He's yeah, kind of been stuck there shit. the whole time. That just yeah. clicked. Oh my god. Oh my god. Guys, but we, we gotta castle. give it up. If a single individual isn't in the game, then, then I'm gonna be very... Uh, sorry, not in the game. In the movie, I'm gonna be very upset. Yeah, no. Uh, because yeah, we need... I, okay. 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 <laughs> I would, I, if Markiplier ends up like having a cameo in the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, I want him to be the phone guy. Because he's not gonna get a big part. He's not gonna be main character or side character or whatever. He's probably not even gonna be physically there. But... Phone guy, perfect because his the filming schedule matched with Iron Lung's filming schedule. Easy enough to do at home, where he could record his own lines and send them in. So, being the phone guy would make the most logical sense, and I think that would be hilarious to go in and hear the ring, and it's just like, Hello? My name is Markiplier. <laughs> Oh, hello. Yeah, my name is hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, to your welcome back to <laughs> Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. I, that I would be that would be amazing. That's, I just hope that's speculation. Or like, I don't know some, what's gonna happen. He's some like stupid side character. Like he's a crotchety old janitor or something <laughs> who gets oh, killed in the first two minutes. We should we should probably wrap this up as we're pushing oh, two hours. Yeah, at this probably. Point. Yeah, we are in yeah. two minutes. All right. Well, Aiden. I, I, well, thank you all for joining us today. As always, you can catch us on Sundays at nine thirty, streaming on Twitch and. Uh, we upload all of our podcasts to anywhere you can listen to them. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, we try to get those out consistently every week. I'm now the editor, so that it, it, I'm learning. Bear with me. Um, I also want to help. It, let me help, Aiden. Um, you can, Ooh, actually, we'll, we'll yeah, talk we'll about, about that later. Um, but thank you all for joining us today, and we appreciate you all and appreciate all of your support. And... Bye-bye. 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 Bye, guys.